Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, music. We do this every week, Wednesday night, 8 p.m., Talking Alternative. This happens to be a Thursday night, though, because we're actually at New York Comic Con here. It's a special day. I got a bunch of great guys here. I got Tyler James from Comics Tribe. We got Steve Forbes from Comics Tribe. I got Joel Mulvey from Comics Tribe. Hey, what the Comics Tribe booth? Kind of makes sense why we're all staying there. And I got Mike Dolce, he, uh, your host with the mic. I'm not going to even try to rhyme. I've been up since 530. How tiring are these conventions for you guys? So it's only Thursday, but uh, you know I, I am out of my convention shape. The dogs are already the dogs are already barking over here, and uh, uh, Steve Steve uh, after doing last year, he, he wore we wore uh, the nice shoes last time and regretted it for the rest of the month. So uh, it was it was brutal. It was definitely brutal. I'm ready. Place with drops. Yeah. So. It's a marathon, and I mean New York Comic Con. Like, it seems like for every every year they've added just a couple more hours or made it just a little bit more. And and now it's a Thursday show starting at 10 a.m., which and move in is the day before, so you got to be all moved in. So you're really talking about Wednesday through uh, through Sunday, and Sunday you know Sunday goes through five, and uh, inevitably you're going to shake how many hands over over the course the course of a thing. So. You know, just about every year it's like a two-week uh, trip of, uh, you know, five days to prepare, the convention for four days, and then uh, a week to uh, recover from con flu. So it, it is exhausting. <laughs> it, it, it takes a toll. So except for you go Mulvey, who is like, make comics, sell comics. I'm at the convention 24 hours a day. You hear me read pop 24-hour-a-day convention. So we were talking uh, before we uh, a little bit before about um, the grassroots movement that you guys did to get uh, to get you guys off the ground. And obviously, look, it starts with, with having an idea and having a product and meeting an artist and networking and conventions and whatnot. But to build a sexful, successful, ooh, a sexful, a successful comic book company now is a lot different than it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Before it was you submit your stuff to a company, you hope that they take it. Uh, if you're self-publishing, I mean, unless you go like the, you know, the Cerebus route with Dave Sim, you know, where he was black and white and he, and he had like a specific niche audience he was hitting, you're not making mainstream, you know, ready-for-TV comics. So the advent of that is Kickstarter, and the advent of that is the Internet, and the advent of that is social media. Um, without giving away all your secrets, uh, you guys run... Kick-ass Kickstarter campaigns. You guys run. You guys market the way professional companies outside of comics market their product. Uh, talk to our audience a little bit about what your strategy is going in and, and how you kind of approach your marketing. Definitely, and I mean Kickstarter has definitely been a game changer for the world of comics. I talk a lot about Kickstarter on my podcast, which is called Comics Launch. It's all about crowdfunding comics, graphic novels on Kickstarter and beyond, and we talk about the mindset strategies and tactics that uh, creators like us are using to bring their projects to the world. And, and over the past six years, uh, more than $50 million have been injected into the comic industry thanks to crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter. And so it, it, it has been a game changer. Uh, still, I, it's, uh, it's still a challenge for people. Kickstarter is not a guarantee. About half of all comic Kickstarters fail, and, and that's actually one of the more... Uh, convenient or, or, or more uh, successful categories. 70% of publishing projects, for example, fail. Yeah. Game projects are, are around that as well, and, and, and other projects are a lot less. So 
how we've been able to make it work is, is first we understand that in order, like the crowd has to come before the funding. And so, you know, while you can't, you will expand your fan base and you will expand your platform by launching a successful campaign. It's important that you bring a certain size of enough uh, of your, your fan base to that campaign to come out day one and get funded. And so a lot of what we do in between the Kickstarters is about building that fan base, engaging with that fan, fan base, turning them from strangers to knowing our names and knowing our products and liking our products and liking what we're all about it, so that when it's time to launch a Kickstarter, we, show, we let them know and they come out day one. And, and, and if you can get a jolt into, the, into a system like Kickstarter, then all of a sudden you start ranking on their search al- algorithms and you start showing up at the top when people are looking at it. And all of a sudden people from Denmark or Australia are discovering you and, and, and seeing, getting that social proof about uh, and seeing that there's, there's a party going on. So, how, how important is it now to get an international following? Because, I mean, that's something that you, you wouldn't even dream of. You know, 10 years ago, when I, when I first launched the Sire, I mean, we had a, couple, I had a couple fans in England. I had one guy from Germany email me. But for the most part, it was like they traveled to America, they saw a comic at a comic shop, or they saw a comic in the convention. That's how they kind of knew you. And then to get into the diamond you know, international, that's, an, you know, you had to pay, you had to do this, you had to hit a certain number. I mean, it, it was kind of crazy. Now, I mean, it's a small world now, right? I mean, it definitely is. And there are big comic fans uh, around the world. I mean, France has a huge and growing scene. <laughs> that's right. Huge in Luxembourg, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he can't walk down the street. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and when you're talking about Kickstarters, anywhere between 20 and 30% of your funding will often be those overseas dollars. Now, you have to avoid the mistake of not, uh, uh, not undercharging for international shipping because, oh, yeah. you know, it seems like every, uh, every six months the USPS is bumping those costs sure. and everything. So logistics is a big deal. And, and as Kickstarter has matured, they sort of expect, like, the, there's only so much leniency for not understanding how those things work. So... You know, the good news is there are resources like Comics Launch and there are great books and things like that for people to really learn and, and, and get a deep understanding for how to crowdfund your stuff. Um, but as those, as those platforms are, are matured, you, you know, you want to go in there with, with a plan and, and really, you know, Jeff McComsey, who's a, a successful Kickstarter guy, he, he does uh, Ubar and, and a bunch of other things. He says you got to plan your Kickstarter crowdfunding uh, campaign like, a, like a, uh, a bank robbery and, uh, and really do those deep sales. So, Joe, I mean, I remember when you were doing uh, Mummy's All Right on, the, on, I mean, you were posting, you were, oh, there we go. All right. Our, our Excellent. Printers, back in print, they, uh, I mean, these guys are great. They, uh, they delivered the book, like, put it in their overhead, carried it on. Uh, if you go to comicslaunch.com forward slash Kraken, you will also uh, can get 5% off your first printing with that. So. Uh, all right. Excellent. You got money at all. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. With your, with your book, I mean, you were posting constantly. I mean, you know, some people some people aren't necessarily geared for social media, or they try social media, but they just don't succeed. What have you found to be some things that you've done on social media that have worked to your advantage besides just drawing pretty pictures? Hands, hands down, the biggest thing is don't create in a bubble. Maybe the bigger companies have to, like, hide things because it's all spoilery and it's story stuff and it's stuff you're going to see in movies in two years, but not me. So when I take Gauze, which is the mummy character from Mummy's Always Right, Gauze right there on the cover with his mom, adorable, sure. We're selling Amazon real soon. Uh, they, they literally, I, I get to grow a better audience by creating with them. I don't create in a bubble. I literally make as much as I can with them. So when I say, 
how do you like this color for the cape? How do you like this design for the dad? How do you like this? And I can get that feedback. Those feedbacks go from six or seven replies to 150 to 300 replies. Now, that's a big bump up. And those people then see, okay, maybe I didn't pick your choice, but I listened to you because, you know, the 40% that said I like this better, I went with that. And now those 40% are more engaged. The other ones may, may be a little annoyed, but at the same time, they might get in on something else. So what I get to do through social media is create with the fan base I'm trying to grow. So now when they say, wow, I see this mommy that's so cute, I put up pictures, uh, which I normally don't like to do with my kids, um, but whatever, like, you get to show. you got to wrap your daughter in toilet paper to sell this mommy. For her own safety, for her own safety, yeah. But no, the truth is, like, you cannot create in a bubble. What you're doing is not so unique that people cannot ever see it, ever share it. You can't create in a vacuum where you think that all of a sudden those 12, 16, 18, 24 months of preparation and building the media empire that is that next book. And then when you release it, there's no reaction to it because no one cares about it as much as you. But when you create with a fan base that's actively and readily involved in the actual process, it's gigantic. It's gigantic. So I would just say, if you want to do social media, plugging into Kickstarter, plugging it into making a successful book, let the people who are, by the way, your, your customers. When you're an independent guy, I work for those people. Every single person that comes and buy my, buys a book from us is our employer, for the most part, and we understand that. So that's why we want to give them the best quality that we can. And if we can involve them in the creative process, even better. And then if they want to get in like, with these kind of questions and say, hey, how can I do it? Comics Launch is there. Comics Tribe, the site is there. We're, we're all about being inclusive, transparent, and helping other creators. Like, that's the, the tagline. C- creators helping other cre- creators create. It's not the phrase. It's a roll of your tongue. Steve, how many pitches do you read from outside publishers that are or outside creators that are looking to get in? And, and um, you know, what's the submission process for Comics Tribe? You told me to be nice. I'm going to try to be nice. We'll see what happens. Um, I see a, a, a decent amount of pitches. Um, most of them just are not ready. They think that they're ready, but most are just not ready. They have um, a lot of times for art, there are problems with the art. Um, we're talking perspective. We're talking anatomy. We're talking storytelling leaving space for uh, word balloons, dialogue, copies of any sort. Things just aren't right. Some, some, some kind of discombobulation is just not right. And a lot of artists don't like hearing that. Making comics is a collaborative effort. You should want to hear what's wrong with your art now from someone who does not care about what your feelings are going to be like rather than hearing it from somebody else when you have already created the comic who is now trying to hurt your feelings. What about the, the actual process? I have a fixed idea, and I have an artist on board. You get a lot of those things, but you get mostly, where, like, I'm going to be a writer. Here's my writing. Here's your writing. I want to be an artist. It's a mixed bag. And um, some of the writers, no, I'm, I'm going to be nice. Writers, uh, generally... Most of them are not ready um, because they, they, they have a lot of problems with their storytelling skills, period. Um, but the, uh, the submission process in and of itself, we don't have really a, a formal submission process. We take things as they come. We all look at it. It's a, uh, basically like, like a committee. Um, Tyler will get things and say, hey, guys, what do you think about this? I'll get something out of like, okay, what do you guys think about this? I know what I think. 
I want to hear your thoughts first before I give you mine. And since it's private, we uh, we, we can be as uh, tone deaf as we need to be in order to get our point across. Um, but when now, we now that the Russians are hacking emails, we do we, we have cleaned it up a little bit just in case we the big comic crime leak coming up. <laughs> but uh, after uh, when we go back to talk to the actual creators, we are direct. Won't say that we're nice, but uh, we uh, we make sure that that we get our point across without being hurtful. All right. When we come back, we're going to be doing an abbreviated uh, show tonight. We're going to do one more segment because, quite frankly, we're all tired and we want to go home, and, and they're kicking people out. So that's the kind of fun part about live radio. You never know what's going to happen. Um, when we come back, I want to get your thoughts on the industry as a whole, some of the stuff that we've talked about on the show. Forced diversity in comics versus natural diversity. Um, having, you know, the, all the different TV shows that are on there right now. Which one's the best? Which one's the ones that are keeping you going? Are you guys watching Luke Cage? When we come back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Robin Cali Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And we are back for our final segment because they're really closing the lights here on your account. It, you know, our Facebook feed keeps going in and out. I think they turned the Wi-Fi off. I mean, they really don't want you to stay longer than seven. They're like, it's seven o'clock. Let's get the heck out of here. Can't stay here. Can't stay here. All right. So this is Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, pop culture every Wednesday night, eight p.m. Eastern. TalkingAlternative.com. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on our Patreon page. Go to MichaelDolce.com. You go right to the Patreon page. Uh, check us out on Facebook, on, on Twitter. We normally periscope the show, but again, this is a little special, a little nice. We got uh, Steve, Tyler, and Joe from Comics Tribe. You guys have been doing comics now for years and have built this, this uh, grassroots movement into a full-fledged you know, force uh, at New York Comic Con every single year and at additional shows across the country. I want to talk just comics in general. And Joe has actually been on the show before, which is, which is awesome. And I always encourage you guys to call in. It's a call-in show. And Joe's going to come into the studio as well. Real quick, I want to get your hot take. You guys were talking about it a little bit before. Uh, the Marvel Netflix universe. Uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. Now, I think, Joe, you said you haven't seen Luke Cage yet, so I'm going to spoil it for you. But um, Jessica Jones versus Daredevil, what did you guys think? Jessica Jones was slow. Daredevil first season was outstanding. Um, second season, still good. Not as good as the first. That's, that's my take on it. 
Wrong. <laughs> well, why? Uh, I just think Daredevil Season 2 better than Season 1. However, both seasons great. Uh, Jessica Jones, I thought was great because I liked the detective story. Like, that, that played through the whole way. And I've been saying David Tennant's Jessica nonstop. Like, I wish I could have named, gone back in time and named one of my kids Jessica now because I would have just talked like that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Marvel uh, the Marvel Netflix universe, or the, the TV universe, the Defenders universe, the Urban, uh, whatever you want to call it, I think that's probably the best iteration of comics to TV, uh, to TV that I've seen uh, in any other uh, universe. So I- I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what's coming next. I think The Punisher is going to be incredible. Uh, Iron Fist looks good, uh, the- and the Defenders movie, and I heard, heard Moon Knight. If they're going to do like the-, the Warren Ellis-style Moon Knight, which seems very, very likely that that, that could be the uh, adaptation they choose, uh, I'd be very excited about that. And, and it makes you think, like, well, if, if these characters can work it you know if a jessica jones can work which is not exactly a household name like what else like what else can they do and and, and you know sky seems really seems the limit and i love the chances that they're taking over netflix but like the one criticism i would have is all of those like every season whether it's the daredevil the uh the jessica jones daily Devil season two all of them seem like they were about three episodes too long if they were a 10 issue 10 10 episodes instead of 13 it seems like there was some padding like in the stretch in the middle um but I love like I, I've, uh, I'm three episodes into Luke Cage. Love it. I feel like it 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 has the most swagger of any of those shows, and it knows exactly what it is, and it's 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 a it's it's a unique vision, and and it's telling its own story, and, and it feels real and raw, and I like it. One of the things we talked about last night about Luke Cage, though, and even though you guys haven't seen it yet, I'm sure you guys heard about it. Really pushes the envelope. I mean, the violence is over the top. The sex. You know, for a Marvel show, I mean, you know, I think they were talking on Mr. Skin whether or not they were digitally removing nipples because there's a good shot of Misty Knight where you kind of look and you're like, wait a minute, that's, that's that boot. Very, very surprised to see that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that Marvel should say no, that they should that they should set a hard line on, on their content, but it was, it was a surprise. It was kind of like harkening uh, back to... Um, uh, Stargate SG-1 when it was first on Showtime that had the full form of nudity and then when it moved to sci-fi all that went away Was that a good thing or a bad thing? See, for Stargate I could see it being a bad thing because Stargate's kind of like this fantastical almost not in the same vein as Starship Troopers but you know you kind of like you can it's not Marvel it's not like you know this is not Spider-Man this is not Captain America this is not the house of that but having these things in a Marvel show I mean you know if I had a 10 year old kid that's like Daddy I want to watch Luke Cage and I turned on the first episode, I'd have been like, oh, what, 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 no. I mean, that's the question, though. Like, how, how do you do a sanitized version of The Punisher that, that has, is really gritty? And, and you have to understand, like, it, it, but it may be the kind of thing where Marvel should, if they want to go that route, it, right now it seems like they're splitting the difference. If they want to go that route, why not have a max side of the Netflix universe and just, and just go all the way there? With, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see the, the Nick Fury max. For that, uh, that that was out recently, uh, a version of that. Hang on, though. you and I, we all understand what that means, right? And that's the problem, I think. I think in general, you have like, oh, we understand that you know that you know the Punisher kills people and Daredevil beats people up, and you know Luke Cage is going to get some, and that's great, you know. Like, like I'm also forgetting Daredevil was violent. Like, I just rewatched season one. Daredevil was, was very violent. So how about, I mean, maybe just by seeing Daredevil, and God forbid his parents, we all watch something before we let our kids, you know, consume it. But, like, yeah, it's a superhero, but it's not the regular superhero. And I can understand Marvel Directive being like, okay, look, the movies, they're pretty much for kids. Like, kids can see them. They're very safe. 
for, for the most part. I haven't seen, I haven't, okay, I haven't watched Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I don't know. They're PG-13, like, the, the movies are PG-13, like, you're, you know, they, they do, they are pretty violent, and, but, uh, but yeah. But I'm saying, if you have the shows, and you've already set a tone with Daredevil, I think, to me, you're going to lose more fans of the Daredevil brand that you're moving forward, especially Jessica Jones had sex to it, it had its violence, but I mean, now, from what you're saying, Luke Cage... The guy, they're setting a more realistic tone, it seems, with the stories. They're putting him in a realistic thing. He's called, you know, Power Man. His, his fists are his weapon. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like... I'll stop you, actually. Violence is a gang violence show. I use that term loosely. It's not really gang violence. I mean, it was basically like a... In the, it was a mob violence. Mob violence is what I'm trying to go with. The, uh, and, and, and it's, you know, it has, like, the killings, and it has... You know, uh, the very first episode, Cottonmouth throws a guy off, uh, or maybe it's the second episode, he throws him off a building. You know, yeah, yeah, sorry for everybody, but, you know. He's not Tower Man. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of pushing the limits a little bit in terms of, like, you know, again, the unsuspected. And the reason I said that we all know what Marvel Max is, we all know, we were actually sitting there hoping for this kind of stuff, right? I mean, we were kind of sitting there hands and knees like, oh, I hope they make a violent Punisher. I hope they do the Garth Ennis Punisher and do it right. Not the, not the Thomas Jane sanitized version that he tried a few years ago. But the average person walking around this convention has no idea what Marvel Max is, has no idea that this stuff is going on probably have no idea who Luke Cage is. Like, I mean, it's not like, it's like for, a, for millions of people, the first time they were ever exposed to the idea of Luke Cage was in these Netflix shows, and Jessica Jones, or, or even maybe now these uh, front and center, and the first thing you do when you, lo- you see when you log in, there's your, there's your uh, Luke Cage. So, I mean, I think they do have an opportunity to present these characters in, in a way that makes sense for the characters itself. And so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see the same problem with, uh, a, a harder core Luke Cage as it would be with a Spider-Man or, you know, uh, Iron Man or character. And, and violence fits Luke Cage. Um, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, definitely. Um, Daredevil fits those characters more than Spider-Man. Even though Spider-Man, his, his weapons are his fists. I mean, sure, the, uh, the webbing is a, is a more of a, a, a defensive thing. Snappy comebacks, that, that, that just, honestly, if I'm fighting somebody and they're cracking jokes, I'm going to get enraged and I'm going to make mistakes. So it's more violent. When we fight, you're going to be damn enraged. <laughs> so, good segue into, uh, does anybody watch the DC TV shows? Flash and Love It. Now, why can they accomplish a TV show, but the movies seem to always suffer right now? The movies that I've seen so far have seemed to dictate a different tone than I, I'm used to. DC are bright characters. They're gods. They're not men. They're hopeful people that stand for something more than humans going through something. They, they stand for an ideal. I think, to me, The Flash, as a kid, I just remember loving the idea of running fast. And then you run anywhere. My, my four-year-old now runs everywhere. Look, I'm a Flash. And the, the, the TV show pulls that off. I haven't heard, I've seen Green Arrow. But I've heard great things of Green Arrow. I have not seen um, Gotham, but I've heard some batshit crazy stuff about Gotham. But uh, oh, oh, I... nice. Oh. So I'm just saying, I really think that like there's a tone that the TV shows get that the movies are completely against. It's a darker tone. It's a very um, uh, uh, I don't want to say like popular tone, but you know, like Batman versus mm-hmm. Superman. I I'm not one that walks out of movies but I kind of wanted to walk out of that movie because 
Wonder Woman was great. Because Wonder Woman, was Wonder Woman was great, but she was useless. Batman was useless. The, the entire story, I'm sorry, Batman wasn't useless. Batman was crazy in a much different way. He went out of his way to kill people. And but what did you guys think of that, actually? Because that's, I mean, that's crossing, again, we're talking about crossing a line. I mean, now, now we're talking about Luke Cage, you know, crossing a line. That's, you know, like you said, five out of ten, five out of ten, probably never even heard of Luke Cage and aren't going to watch Luke Cage. Everyone knows Batman. What do you think? Uh, time to go into long things. One word answer for Batman or Superman. Well, but, but the killing, see, the killing. I asked the question, Joe. Come on, stay on, t- stay on topic here. Got an answer for that, Joe? No. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm all, I'm all for, especially in, in comics, I'm all for interesting takes, twists on familiar things. I just think you, you get this one opportunity to do these characters right, and they're doing, it, it seems like the, the directors of the division, they're really taking their own vision, and it's, it's, it's definitely been met with mixed results. I mean, there were, abs- there were um, elements of, the Man of Steel movie that I absolutely loved. There were elements of even Batman Superman that I thought were, were really well done. But as a whole, they just don't seem to have the same cohesive fit and vision and long, like thinking long-term, long-term play uh, that the Marvel Universe has. So. Okay, so tying it back into the original conversation, too, we talked about the Comic-Con bubble, if there is such a thing, if it's oversaturation of Comic-Con. Is there now an oversaturation of comic book movies? I know people are going crazy for them right now. I don't think so. I think that there are just weight. When we're talking about comic book movies, we have to be specific because The Mask, going way back, The Mask is a comic book movie. Um, the Road to Perdition is a comic book movie. Okay, wait, so, so how about superhero movies then? Now, that, that's where we have to make the distinction. Um, I don't... It, it, it's quite possible that we could be going toward oversaturation, but I don't think that we are there yet. We're probably moving in that direction, but not yet. It's a genre. It's a genre like any other. It's going to have its ebbs and flows. But all of a sudden, what happened? You just infused Deadpool in, right? The first real rated R type thing. That did, what, $370 million in America alone? So I'm pretty sure that, you know, you're going to see a lot more of those movies. However, they've got to be done right. It's right. like anything. Yeah, so you're going to have, you're still going to have your big tent all things, but you're also going to have some, some big, massive flops. And the danger is these movies get so big and the, the marketing budget that they have to make half a billion dollars just to break even. And $60 million budget. Right. $60 million budget. Conservative by means of a superhero movie. Conservative. And it made that money back tenfold. So now the next thing is you don't want to see that next one come in at a $170 million budget because you're going to be wasteful. You did so well with the first one. All right, well, on this note, we're actually almost getting kicked out here. They just announced the show floor is closing, but I want to give these guys a lot of uh, props for their stuff. Give me uh, 30 seconds each. Give me uh, your Comics Tribe, what people should be looking for, what booth you're at, because this is look, this is day one of New York Comic Con, so we'll go around the room. Steve, you first. We're at booth 2022. Um, just a whole bunch of fun, a whole lot of energy. Uh, looking forward to, to seeing everybody, meeting everybody, and uh, sending in some more submissions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't uh, don't take Mike's word for it because we all know what that's good for. But uh, if if you want to go to Comics Tribe, P O M I X Tribe dot com forward slash subscribe, we're going to send you five free comics. So you can check out see what we're all about, see if we're worth uh, your time coming down to take a visit and uh, come to twenty twenty two at New York Comic Con in twenty sixteen. We hope to see you there. We'll sell you some books. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. These phenomenal people already said it very quickly. I'm going to say it just one more time. 
great comics, great people, great creators, and I guarantee you'll be great customers. Come on down, and it'll be the best time you have at the con. Thanks, Mike. Thank you guys very much. This has been Secrets of the Sire, special episode number 39 at New York Comic Con Live. Signing off. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.